Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. This, 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 is, is, Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 807. We are the Fight Disciples and this is your boxing preview for the weekend coming up. And what a weekend you've got, especially if you're attending that show in Manchester, which we're extremely excited about. Before we get stuck into it, please subscribe to us. You can do it via our website, fightdisciples.com. All the audio feeds under the sun are there. And we're also available on YouTube. Thank you if you've already come across to the YouTube channel. Um, there's going to be some exclusive YouTube com- uh, content coming your way over the next 24 to 36 hours with big announcements being dropped in the world of boxing. Uh, and we're just going to stick that on our YouTube channel. So if you want to see our immediate reaction to everything that's going on uh, this week in regards to Christmas shows in Saudi Arabia and undisputed heavyweight title fights that are coming up in February, then make sure you subscribe to us via our YouTube channel. Fight Disciples is uh, where you can find us. How are you feeling after your trip back from the Big Apple in New York City? Good, mate. Yeah, I'm feeling rather fat. Because obviously, oh, one, t- I, one, I too one too yeah, many burgers, one too many pizzas. How much have you done? How much have you put on? About 12 pounds. 12? I've done 10. So We've had a good go there, mate. We've had a, we've good, had go. a good old go. So I'm back on the... I'm back on the, the herbal teas. I'm back on the protein shakes. I went running the every day as well. And I still did 10. Yeah. You took a bit of a stick for your running as well. Did you see the comments? Someone said yeah, Adam runs like he shit himself. Well, That's listen, old man running though, isn't it? Yeah, but listen, mate. I've got, I've got fake ankles. The lad that I was running with, he's got fake knees. That's Come true, on, yeah. man. Give us a chance. Give us a chance. Give us a chance. You know what I mean? Yeah, Pushing yeah. 14. We've had replacements all over the place. You know what I mean? We're still out there doing a bit. <laughs> yeah, but I'm feeling a bit rough. I'm feeling a bit rough. But you know what? Hmm. I've changed my mind about New York now. I'm a big fan. Oh, now, now you mate won a fight up there and everybody's had a party. You saw something special. Look at you. <laughs> Got nice fond memories of that Madison Square Garden now. No, seriously, it was a really good trip. Obviously, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a nice weekend at home. I know I'm spoiled. I'm so tempted to go up to Manchester. So so tempted because, as you know, I am, I am the uh, the band leader of the Nick Ball coming mm. out party. Um, but I'm just going to be at home. We'll have a little flick over to to Sky as well. So, are you? I thought I'm just going to sit Why? at home in my fucking pajamas, <laughs> a few beers on. And I'll have a little flick around, although I'll probably be mostly. There's watching. no need to flick around this weekend, mate. All the attention should be on everything that's happening in Manchester. That's the card. It's the best domestic. I'm a big fan card of Adam Azim, though. Yeah, I, I am. I am. But there's no way that my attention is being taken to Adam Azim off the back of this card at the weekend. I think there's far too much quality action it's good. Uh, that is it's happening good. in Manchester that'll keep your attention, I think, for the full duration. Adam Azim, I think, will be a retrospective watch uh, for me. Um, in a fight that I think he will absolutely win for the European title. But we'll get to that in a minute. We've got to go to Thursday night, first and foremost, shall we? Oh, yes, Uh, of course, Mr. uh, Stevenson. That's right, because the Formula One has descended upon uh, Las Vegas. It does look incredible. I'm incredibly jealous of anybody that is going to be there in attendance watching these cars was around the old Las Vegas strip. But because of it, obviously, certain access points to the T-Mobile arena are not available for you on a on a Saturday evening. So therefore, it's got to be brought forward uh, to Thursday night. Uh, and Shakur Stevenson attempts to become a three-weight world champion because the WVC world lightweight title is going to be on the line. Uh, Devin Henney's the champion in recess. I thought he just loved the way that they do this. He still holds the other no, alphabets. I don't. He's, he, he's still the unified champion, even though he stepped up in weight and he will be challenging Regis Progre. He's, he's got his safety net there, hasn't he? Keep Keep all of your safety net, sunshine. You can come back down if you want to. Um, but the WBC have put him in recess in order to create a vacancy for uh, the former uh, champion in the weight division below. And that was, of course, Shakur Stevenson, who takes on Edwin De Los Santos at uh, the T-Mobile Arena 
in Las Vegas. Listen, Shakur's undefeated through 20 fights. He's looked sensational. He's started to get those, let's just say, bigger named fights of recent times. The Oscar Valdez one in particular is the one that stands out where he unified the division. This isn't the big name fight, but this is an opportunity for him to get a trinket at 135, which then hopefully sets up some of the biggest fights possible yeah. uh, in the world of boxing. Because who does not want to see Shakur in with Loma? Who doesn't want to see him in with Haney if he decides to come back down? And who doesn't want to see him in with Javonta Davis? For crying out loud, they are absolutely gigantic. I'm, I'm buying Garcia. I'm buying Garcia. Yeah, Big yeah. fight at lightweight, man. Well, Garcia's gone up again, hasn't he? I thought he cleared off to 140. I thought he uh, was playing I, up there. Again, it's kind of like Devin Haney. I think I think the options come back down is always going to be there, whatever the money fights are. I think Ryan Garcia is all about the money fights. So... Listen, it is what it is. Thursday night, it's coming out party once again for Shakur Stevenson. It's him defining his, his, his early reign as a champion. As we know, we've talked about him extensively on this show, even a long time before he turned professional. He's a super talent. Um, and the only thing missing from Shakur at the moment is is the knockouts. Is That's the only thing that's missing. And they will come. They will come eventually. He's so talented. Once he starts sitting down a little bit more. But I don't... Listen... Do I think it'll happen in this fight? Maybe not. I think De Los Santos is a big enough a puncher with 14 knockouts and 16 wins to ensure that Shakur doesn't do anything daft. Uh, I think he'll box his head off for 12 rounds because that's what Shakur Stevenson does. But I think my mate will steal the headlines. I really do. I think Robin... I th- my I think mate? Emmanuel- oh, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Navarrete. He's, he's on there. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought Nav- you were still talking about Shakur. <laughs> no, no. Nav- Navarrete will steal the headlines with yet another sensational knockouts to really get us all talking on Monday about uh, a potential showdown with uh, with Joe Cordina or the unification fight with Oshaki Foster. Because mm. he's the kid, man. He is the kid. Listen, I like that matchup, Robson Concesau. Mm. Um, Absolutely. We saw Concesau, obviously, in with Valdez and Shakur. He fell short against those guys. I think if Emmanuel Navarrete can stop him, um, I think it's statement. a big statement. I think it's a big statement yeah. now, if you can do that, mate. Yeah. And I, I think Conte Sao at this stage of his career as well will also realise that, you know, he's got to, he's got to scare Navarrete. He's got to put him on the back foot. He's got to get his respect. He's got to, you know, throw bombs. He can't afford to be outboxed again, like both those guys, Shakir and Valdez, uh, beating him on points. I think Conte Sao will be a bit like, okay, let's do something no one's done or no one's managed to do successfully against Navarrete. And that's fight fire with fire a little bit. Um, and I think that will open him up to Navarrete getting a uh, getting a another legacy defined and finish. Yeah, man. Thursday night boxing. Keep an eye on that. Early hours of Friday morning, of course. Something for you to uh, either stay up for or watch. Uh, early doors on on Friday morning, <laughs> retrospectively, because Shakir Stevenson is a supreme talent. We all know how good he is. He could be the next big pay per view star, especially if he's in a division that also has potential big pay per view stars. That fight with Javonta really does get the mouth going, uh, mouth watering, doesn't it? Uh, and as you've just pointed out there, Emmanuel Navarrete is doing Emmanuel Navarrete things. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens off the back of the Robson Concesau fight. We've mentioned the likes of Joe Cordina and yep. uh, various other people in this division, which I think would be great, great fights. Personally, Hell I would yeah. like to see Cordina and Lee Wood. Me too. Just from a, just from a selfish point of view. But Navarrete is in that mix, mate. Yeah, he is right in the mix, you know, and I think he'll make he'll produce the kind of statements as I say Friday morning that might uh, might absolutely unashamedly um, just give little give Joe a little nod in the right direction towards Lee Wood. Don't get me wrong, I think Lee, Lee Wood makes trouble. more financial sense. It's a bigger fight domestically. It's mm. potentially a bigger fight. Maybe not. Maybe not in terms of your overall global boxing legacy. I think that fight is Navarrete absolutely. And after that, Oshaki Foster. But I think Joe Cordina at this stage of his career, bizarrely a two-time world champion, but never lost it. So, you know, just an established <clears> world <throat> champion. I think the fight with Lee Wood makes absolute sense next. And you come through that, then you look and say, well, has Oshaki Foster and Navarrete done a unification? I'll go straight in there for, you know, a Ring Magazine top top number one spot in the division type fight. So those fights aren't going anywhere for Joe Cordina. So I think the Lee Wood fight makes absolute sense. And don't get me wrong, Lee Wood's mustard, man. And that's a risky as hell fight. But so is Navarrete. And after his last performance, show was Oshaki Foster anyway. There ain't no easy fights at the top of the tree, kid. So, mm. you know, it's all about 
finances, legacy, finding that balance. I think Lee Wood next in the spring. Um, and then if he comes through that, a big unification fight late in the summer against one of these guys. But for me, Navarrete is the number one in the division. Uh, Saturday night, uh, Diego Pacheco is uh, back in action against Marcello Caceres. Um, I do love watching Pacheco. I think he's a supreme talent. What is he? 22 yeah. years of age. Magic. I like the. I, I like what Matchroom are doing with him. They obviously took him, uh, took him on in Mexico. They're now taking him on in California, which is his his native hometown. Um, I personally think this is an easy night's work for him. But he's twenty two. He's twenty two years of age. They're trying to build a star, aren't they? They're trying to push him in the direction where he becomes that person that a lot of people buy into. You can see the talent. You can see the way that he sets uh, things up. Uh, he's going to go on to really, really big things. Um, this fight is what it is. It's not one of them where then I'm going to go, whoa, what a test, because I don't think it is. I think Diego Pacheco comes through and he he ends up looking good. Yeah, I think what it is, is it's a... Uh, I wouldn't say... It, I, don't, I wouldn't say it was an easy night's work. I don't think Caceres is an easy night's work for anyone. The guy's tough as old boots. Typical Argentinian. Hit him with a fucking baseball gap bat. He keeps coming forward. He's not two years of age. He's got a lot more man strength than a Diego Pacheco. <clears throat> what it is, it's an opportunity for Pacheco to get rounds against a talented guy. But it's also Pacheco's opportunity to, if he can step on him, if he can get the finish, make the kind of stick. Because this guy's been in with Edgar Belanga and lost, you know, lost the decision against Belanga. But it was like six rounds to three or six, four or something like that. You know, he won a couple of rounds. He made Belanga think and... I think Pacheco in this fight can show that he's levels above the prospect that is Edgar Belanga. And if he can get the finish, if he can step on him, then it's a, it's a massive statement. So because of Pacheco's age and because of where Matchroom have got him to uh, since he came over, you know, this America's title or whatever he's got, there is no rush getting to the top of this, to no, the very top of the tree. He does need time. He does need rounds. And Caceres is the type of guy to give him rounds and the type of guy that's old enough and wise enough and tough enough to make Pacheco work in there, just like he did with Belanga. But I think Pacheco's a step above Belanga. And I think if Pacheco can stop Caceres, that's the statement. That's like a real fucking, you know, a, a big performance for him. Easy next word. Um, <laughs> Adam Azim is in action. Uh, Call your fires on that card, by the way. Yeah, in, he is. Uh, Sorry, in, I, in I California as well. Calify is taking on Jonathan Rodriguez. It's a good matchup. Rodriguez is 16 and 1. You know, and Calify is 27 and 1. So it's, you know, on paper, okay, you would suggest that Rodriguez has never really mixed at this level before. But you're talking about a kid who's 24 years of age that, you know, okay, he's not the most formidable puncher out there, but he's got some good wins on his record. And he'll see this as the biggest opportunity of his life. And after losing, you know, his, his unbeaten record, you're fine suddenly looks touchable again. So I like the fight because I think Rodriguez comes to win. Don't get me wrong. I think your fight does, does a bit of a number on him. But Rodriguez is a game opponent, man. Um, in the Midlands, Adam Azim is attempting to become the uh, European champion, taking on Franck Petitjean. Uh He's picked up the uh, EBU title on a couple of occasions as Petitjean, But yeah. I've watched him a couple of times and I don't rate him. But I'll be dead honest. I'll just be dead straight about it. I don't think he's got the equaliser. I don't think he's got the power to trouble uh, Adam Azim. Yeah, okay, slick. He can do a bit. He won, um, I think it was a vacant title last time out, off the back of losing a, a title shot the previous fight. Um, I just think Adam Azim... I think this is a real good opportunity for Adam Azim to to show off here and, and showcase. We've, we've I've been lucky enough to be ringside for a couple of Adam Azim fights. And there's been, you know, there's been great moments, but there's also been moments where maybe he hasn't gone through the gears like I would have liked him to do. I think now is the opportunity to go through those gears. I think he can do that against Franck Petitjean. And uh, he will, um, I'm 100% I'm confident that he's going to be crowned European champion uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, this is an absolute showcase for Adam Azim. You're right. I think this... Uh... This fellow went the distance and, and had a points to see had a points a points draw with uh, Christoph Sabia a few years ago and Sabia lasted what like 
less than less than a round. He got blew away in one round by Jack Cattrall. And that's not to say Jack Cattrall is not potentially the best fighter in this super lightweight division, because he is. But uh, but he got absolutely destroyed in one round by Jack Cattrall. And this Frank Pajam went the distance with him and drew with him on points. So you're right. This guy's founders level. It's French domestic level, uh, even though he's had a couple of stints with a European type belt. But when he won that vacant title, it was always going to be a, a cash grab opportunity for him. And it looks like Ben Shalom and, and, and Boxer have put a few quid on the table for him to come over and get battered by Adam Azim. I don't think it goes three rounds, to be honest with you. Azim's class. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything on that undercard that lights your candle before I get I into like this Richard, Manchester? I like Richard Riakpo. He's 10 levels above whoever this journeyman Bridgion is. So, Yep. Let's go. Let's talk about Manchester. Yeah, mate. Come on, because it's it. good, it, mate. This is. Do you know do what? You know we're, like, we're gonna we're gonna wank Manchester off now, but I've got to be honest. We've got three, four. There's five, twelve rounders, two ten rounders, and two six rounders on there. It's a long night. I would get rid of the two ten rounders and the two six rounders, and that's value for money for me. That's a great night boxing. Five championship fights. All right, keep one of the six rounders if you want, so you've got a bit of a floater for TV or whatever. But I would lash the rest of it. I wouldn't really be that interested. It's too much of a chore to go in and watch, you know, seven championship fights on one night. And listen, I'm moaning now because it's you know it's competitive. It's great, but I'm like, yeah. mate, that that's a lot of boxing. A lot of boxing. It is. Um. That's I a, think a past one in the morning job. You wait and see. Nick Paul oh, has a dog. I'll be pushing midnight by the time they ring walk. Yeah, I am fully aware that this is going to be a late one. Um, but to have three British title fights, a European title fight and a world title fight all on the same card, mate. And I look at them and I think at least three of them are what I would class as proper competitive fights. It's just I... greedy. They could have give a couple to, to Boxer to put on Sky. That's my opinion. Just give them a couple. <laughs> Balance it out a little bit. Piss off. Balance Mate, it out a bit. Stop this nonsense, right? We sit here every single week, moaning our tits off, that boxing is serving up shite for its audience. Yeah? yeah? It doesn't serve up competitive fights. It doesn't give us the things that we want to see. Then all of a sudden, a promoter comes along and goes, voila, and presents us with the best card on domestic soil this year and you're mourning and you want them to give some of them away. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you doing? One thing I will say, because just to balance it out, that's all. I feel sorry for anyone in no, the Midlands no, who's buying a them. ticket. Fuck everybody, right? This is what it's supposed to look like. This is what we do. We're supposed to champion this because this is what we've been demanding. <laughs> and you're going, come on, give me that to somebody Spread the else. Wealth. Spread the wealth. Spread the wealth. Nah, mate. Listen, if I'm going to Manchester at the weekend, I'm delighted. I've paid me money. Mate, I don't I don't know how much I, a ticket has cost for this, but I'm going to sit in my seat and I'm going to go, do you know something? Deal, give it me. This is what I want. I don't want to be turning up and then waiting for just the main event. No, mate. I want to go in and go, fucking hell, right, okay. We're here already, are we? We've got a British title fight. We've still got five titles to go. Great. Let's go. But that's a marathon. And again, I'm, I'm fucking... What are you wrong? But you're a boxing fan. That's not what you paid your door for. What are you mourning that, man? <laughs> There's about fucking 19 hours of boxing Hang there. On. Go you've, just sat, you've just sat through eight hours of UFC with me at Madison Square Garden, <laughs> right? Yeah, but that was maximum of bloody, you know, 15 minutes per fight. This could, if every one of these went the distance, it'd be 36 minutes for every fight. Jesus, you're looking at an hour, a different fight every hour. Again, I'm taking, I'm, you know, I'm having a bit of fun here, but it just shows you, like, you're right. This is the best card domestically of the year. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Why some of this wasn't spread out over the course of the year is a different conversation. And maybe this is Uncle Frank with Saudi money in his pockets for the future. This is, maybe this is how Queensbury's going to look from now on. Hopefully. Fucking cards absolutely stacked to bits because the finances are now in the bank where you can go, right, let's make proper fights every week on every card. Well, do you know something? I'd, I'd even go as to say, this is the, this is the thing that um, 
has bugged me a bit that there has to be this thirst to have something on every single week. I genuinely believe from the boxing fans that I speak to, if you give us what a card like this once a month, we don't all have crazy money to be spending on tickets and traveling up and down the country and all that type of shit, do we? Just, and this is across the board to all promoters. Give us one card like this a month. That's it. That's all we're asking. Give us one a month. And I'll tell you what, we'll fucking turn up for it because this is what boxing's supposed to look like, pal. Yeah. Debbie. You're happy now, are you? Yeah. Listen, there's a reason why I'm going to be sat at home comfortably in me sleeping, in me dressing gown. Doing the marathon. You'll watch it. Exactly. I can can get stuck into the marathon. That's that's what this card should be called. The marathon, never mind. Is it still Magnificent 7 or has it been reduced to Magnificent 6 now? It should be six because we lost Kakachi, didn't we? We lost the Kakachi fight. But didn't um, that get replaced? Because I'm, I'm yeah, not Solomon Dekers. They've, they've got Solid Dekers. There's still on seven there. championship fights on here. Well, there's, well an English, there's an English title fight on there, which is cool. No that's problem a championship that. fight. Yeah, I'm not denying that. But what I'm saying is when you say Magnificent Seven, the original Magnificent Seven with uh, yes. Anthony Kakachi on there, that was a banging fight. I was dead excited yes. about that. It's a shame that that one got fell off. And don't get me wrong. I'm a fan of Solomon Dare because I think he's going to go on to go and do some good stuff. An English title fight. fight. I am Michael, not. Michael any... Webster can change, his, can change his life on that fight. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. <clears throat> that um, could be the sleeper, I reckon. You might be right. <clears throat> you might be right. Um, I personally think, mate, fucking hell, where do I start here? Shall we just start with Nick Ball and Isaac Dobby? Yeah, let's just start at the top because the, I think we just need to talk about every one of these fights because I like them all. Yeah, I have to. Don't you worry. We're all in. But we'll go uh, Nick Ball and Isaac Dogby. Ball's obviously undefeated through 18. Uh, are you concerned? Here's a one because you're a big champion of him. Are you concerned that they've not done like a traditional route with him? Because you're you're one of them early title boys. You like your English, your British, your Commonwealth, and your Europeans. They've maybe gone that other route where they've got these bullshit trinkets like a WBC silver to manipulate yeah. him to. Di- you would class this as an, an eliminator for a world title, wouldn't you? I suppose if you're taking on Isaac Dobby, former world champion. I know that Dobby's coming off the back of a loss, but you were. You get a win over Isaac Dogby. You're right in the mix of talking about shooting for the stars. Are you concerned that that traditional route hasn't been done with him? Um, yes, I am, because that's that's my favourite route all the time. You know, but you've also got to look at the fact that the the opportunities potentially domestically weren't there, unfortunately, because of politics, because of rival promoters. Don't get me wrong, I am not making excuses 100%. I wish he'd have gone Central Area, English, British... Commonwealth, but again, just sometimes for whatever reason, that route isn't open to you. Um, you'd have to ask Frank or you'd have to ask Paul Stevenson, his mm. coach, as to why this route has been chosen over a more classical route, if you like. But it hasn't hampered them. It's not like, you know, I think domestically, you're only really looking now at Josh Warrington, in my opinion, that you would rank above him domestically uh, now that Lee Woods moved up, uh, which means, you know, he's leapfrogged the likes of. Tommy Ward and Jazza Dickens and people like that already without even going the domestic route. So I think Nick personally, if I was him, I'd be gutted not to have a Lonsdale belt hanging on the wall. Mm. But you've also got to realise that Nick bro, Nick Ball turned pro, not like his teammate Peter McGrail as an England international established superstar. Yeah, yeah. Nick's had to go through the small hall scene, gain his respect, get signed by a big promoter, take big fights and big opportunities that were against them. You remember, man, we went to fucking Wembley Stadium and we were in, well, I was in a, I was in a box with the prawn sandwich team and everyone in there was like, oh, do you know anything about this guy who's, who's fighting Tyson's cousin or whatever? And I was like, man, he's, he's going to smash Isaac Lowe to bits. And they were like, what? He's a massive underdog. And I was like, get your money on Nick Ball by knockout now. And that's not personally a knock on Isaac Lowe. That was me and the whole of Liverpool knowing how talented this kid is. But he has come through. You know, two, yeah. A fight before that, or a fight or two before that, he was boxing at Grand Central Hall in Liverpool, which is like a you know 800-seater venue or whatever. He's fighting at Greenbank Sports Centre, which, okay, the great Lomachenko once fought there. But still a leisure centre. And that's mm. where he was there, the, type, the, like, the levels that he was at. So he's always had the talents, but he's had to come through the hard way. And maybe that's why... English, British, Commonwealth. I don't know. I don't want to make excuses because they're the belts, they're the roots over the ones it. But he's beyond that now. He mm. doesn't want to go, you don't want to go backwards. He beats Isaac Dogbay this weekend, as you say, me personally. And that's a final eliminator for the British title. And if if Lee Wood will go mean? through 
a world title, sorry, if Lee Wood does move on and go through, then Nick Ball's certainly going to be in a conversation. And listen, Nick Ball versus Josh Warrington is an out of the, isn't an obscene conversation for the new year for a world title. No. It's going to be interesting to see how he approaches this fight because Dogby's rough and tough, man. He's a tough dude. Absolutely. Um, obviously, we saw as well. Yeah. He's only 29. He's only 29 still, is Isaac Dobby. So there's loads left in him. He's been in with the very, very best. We've just been hearing you champion fucking Emmanuel Navarrete. And that's really where we we found out about Navarrete when he ran into Isaac Dogby, who was champion at the time. Yeah. And then he uh, he, he ended up beating Dogby. But Dogby took a, a shellacking that night. We know how hard Navarrete hits. Yeah. And he, you know, he, he, he went the full 12 that first time around. So you're looking, we know that Nick loads up and he, he throws with bad intentions. How is he going to approach this? Because he's going to do the same thing. He's going to try and get Isaac Dobby out of there. But if Isaac doesn't go, then what does he do? Does he yeah. take the foot off the gas? Does he box a bit? Because he's a cute boxer, he's the kid. Don't get me wrong. There's, yeah. there's big juice there that he's throwing. But he is a clever boxer. What does? I think he's going to have to be really smart in this fight. He can't just go, right, kitchen sink, zero to... We know he's a fit lad, so that I don't think there's any worries about the tank because he does all this yeah. fucking CrossFit shit, doesn't he, and all that. Mm-hmm. So he's got to be cute. He can't just throw the kitchen sink at him because Isaac Dogby is a clever cat and he, he will be able to navigate. If you're just doing one thing all the time, he'll navigate it. So you've got to ask him different questions throughout the course of the fight. That's what I'm excited about because I, I think, I don't think he'll take Isaac Dogby out early. I think Dogby's a, a strong, rough and tough dude. He yeah. might get him late, if he's clever. And that's what I'm really excited about in this fight. Let's say Dogby's got three losses on his record. Top and, level. You know, two of them are to Navarrete. And when he did get stopped, the only stoppage of his life was in the 24th round against Navarrete as well. Correct. That in itself is fucking outstanding. His last loss, last I think it was his last fight, Ramirez. was against Robsy Ramirez when he got outboxed. And listen, there's absolutely no shame in getting outboxed by the Olympic gold medalist. And someone as talented as Robsy Ramirez, who is absolutely a superstar. I think the thing for Nick, which may help here, is the way Andrew Kane lost his undefeated record. Nick Ball's uh, teammate, if you remember, Andrew Kane's a knockout merchant, was knocking everybody out. They put him in, and it was a European title fight on Frank's show. He loaded up like mad, and the kid come through, if you remember. And then, in the end, his gas tank kind of fell out. He ended up getting hurt himself. It ended up being a complete war. And he just got ragged. And I think if, if ever Nick Ball needed a reminder about keeping your shape, sticking to a game plan, that was it right there. But I just think on a boxing... Yes, he is a ferocious puncher. And yes, he's a made-for-TV fighter, Nick Ball. You know, I've said this since day one. He's so aggressive. He's so front foot. He does absolutely load up. And he's the smallest guy in this weight division. There's nothing of him, but he's built like a brick shit house. But he's a lot cuter than people think. I'm glad you said that. He's a lot smarter than people think. You've got to be that smart to spar Peter McGray all day in, day out. You know, because Peter, as we know, is an outstanding, outstanding boxer. But you've got to get a little bit that rubs off on one another. And I think that was, for me, that was an important moment, not just for, for, for Andrew Kane, but for that entire gym. And certainly for Nick to go, right, when you get to a level, you're not just going to blow everybody away. And there has to be a game plan too. Don't get me wrong. I think Isaac Dogbay's in for the fucking fright of his life first three or four rounds. But when you've done 24 rounds with Navarrete, mm-hmm. I think you know how to avoid shots. And I think Nick Ball's cute enough and certainly the, the corner's cute enough to realise that. So he'll pace himself. He'll try he'll try and bomb Dogbay out in the first. And he'll try and bomb him out in the 12th. But I just think there's a little bit of intelligence there to, to, get, through, to get through some rounds as well. I fancy Nick, obviously, to do the job, but I'm with you. I think it goes the distance. Um, I'll tell you who's on a hot streak at the moment, mate. And uh, I was, I'll be dead honest. <clears throat> I was unsure as to whether I was a fan or not. But of recent times, I'm like, yeah, I'm all in. I'm absolutely all in on the Liam Davis trend. And he's taking on uh, Vincenzo uh, La Femina in, for the European title. Yeah. His performance last time out, Liam, was absolutely sensational. His performance against Baluta, his performance against Leeds. They're the three that have really yeah. caught my imagination. Before that, I was like, mm, I don't know where you're at. I, I, no. I don't know. We hadn't fought now, anybody of any level until those Yeah, three maybe left, that was it. To be honest. 
Maybe that was it. But the leech fight, I thought, wow. Baluta. Which was supposed to be a 50-50, which he, he yeah. won convincingly. The Baluta fight was super dangerous. It's Baluta yeah. I'm talking about who, who beat Andrew Kane, isn't it? You know, yeah. Baluta's absolutely dangerous. He was brilliant that night. And then Cunningham was, wow. again, another underdog performance. He's going to struggle now because Cunningham's very good. And he was incredible yeah, against yeah. Cunningham. I, I, you know, I, I'd never, ever seen that coming from a million miles away. I really didn't. So mm. my only fear here is you're going in with a guy that can bang himself. You know, mm. the Italian can punch, man. It's when he stepped up to... The Italian hasn't got a ton of knockouts on his record, but when you look at his record for Mina, he started getting knockouts as he's got up to a different level. So 9, 10, 12 rounders, that's when he's starting to put people away. And that makes him scary because early on, people are probably getting in with Firmino to survive. Now he's in there with fighters who are letting the hands go. He's starting to get knockouts. My fear for Liam Davis is don't get high off your own supply, man. The Cunningham performance, don't forget about that now. Don't suddenly yeah. come out there thinking you're going to, you know, Giante Wilder and fucking snot everybody in the first round. It's got to be tight. It's got to be professional. This is his first defense of this belt. Have a look at Firmino first. Let him come out and have a little look at him. You know, two undefeated kids, 27 and 0 combined. It's a great fight. It is. It is a very, very good fight. You'll have to, again, similar to what we've just been talking about with Nick Ball, you'll have to be clever. Uh, will uh, Liam Davis in that fight? I think it's a real good fight. Uh, big step up for Harry Scarf taking on uh, Eko Wasserman uh, for the British and Commonwealth welterweight titles. Um, I would love Harry to have that equaliser. I'd love him to have that power to be able to maybe cause a bit of bother in this particular fight because I've watched Eko Wasserman a couple of times and he's a slick bastard, man. He's slick. Yeah. He's very, very good. Tidy, tidy boxer. Uh, we've seen him come through some good opposition recently. I don't know if Harry is as good as him when it comes to slickness, and I don't know if he's got the power to be able to cause a problem here. That's that, that's my just going into it take. I hope I'm completely wrong, because you never know. British title fight, you step up, you raise your level, and away we go. Uh, we could be in for a, a good night. But my my original thoughts are that Echo was some He's just a bit too slick for him at this particular time of his career. Yeah, this, this is me locking 36 minutes, which means it goes in the first. But, they, you know, Harry Scarf, Harry Scarf's got a lot of experience. You know, Audible Harry, he's been in there with some good level opposition. Whenever he's stepped up to the next level, you know, he's been found wanting against the likes of Anthony Fowler, people like that. But he's back here on merits. Let's make that mm -hmm. clear. Yeah. He's won his last four. He's looked very good. Esselman, it's, I feel like he's kind of been at this level for a while. Now he's at the British Commonwealth for quite a few fights now. Is he going to kick on? There's a potential and he might get a little bit stale he's 34 years of age so it's like you know what are you waiting for kid it's a dangerous fight for him it really is but listen he, the kids he's 19 and 0 he's won a lot of 12 round decisions he knows how to win over the distance harry scarf has just got to put out his mind about when he steps up he comes short and just do what he's been doing just do what you've been doing man and just get ahead get ahead on those scorecards and let's see Essamon push forward and take chances and see what Harry Scarf can do then. Again, it's a great little matchup. Essamon, for me, should be about should, should have moved on from this level now, but we are what we are. And Harry Scarf could be the, this could be his bogeyman performance that he's been waiting for. Uh, one of our favourite fight disciples is in a big step up. Let's be straight about this. Uh, Nathan Heaney getting an opportunity against Denzel Bentley. It's for the British uh, middleweight title. This is what Nathan has always talked about. He's always dreamed of it. He's always wanted the opportunity to fight for a Lonsdale belt. Well, now it's here. He's earned that opportunity. Uh, we know about his following. We speak about it all the time. But not only that, he's been presented opportunities over the last two to three years with Queensbury and Frank Warren. He's gone in. He's taken those opportunities. And that has landed him now at the door of Denzel Bentley. Nobody is going to go crazy here and say, oh, here we go because this is massive step up. It really is. Denzel Bentley proved last time out against Yanni Beck what type of level that that kid can fight at. Um, and I'm sure that he'll want a taste of trying to get back to that level at some point in the not-too-distant future. Denzel doesn't come across the guy to uh, overlook anybody or, uh, you know, look past somebody. So I think he'll be absolutely lasered in and ready to perform for the Manchester crowd, which obviously then lends to an even tougher night. Uh, for Nathan Heaney, but 
I was thinking when the matchup was made, I did. Do you know when you do that suck between your teeth where you you give it one of them? You think, fucking hell. I tell you what, that's 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 big. That. But the more I think about it, the more I think, well, what else is he supposed to do? Yeah, yeah what yeah. else is he, what else is he supposed to do? This is this is it. This is what he wanted. It's British. It's British title level. You know, this is what you would class as a natural step up for Nathan Heaney. It's just that the geezer that he's fighting against is probably above British title level if we're all dead honest with ourselves. Um, this is his Champions League final, man. Roll it. Go for it. Don't, you know, don't die wondering. This is, uh, it's a tough ask. It's a tough ask for Nathan, but I'll tell you what, the fucking atmosphere when he comes out on Saturday night is going oh to be absolutely crazy. I actually think Denzel Bentley will thrive in it as well. Uh, yeah. They're both phenomenal blokes. We've both spent time with a pair of them. The top fellas, yeah. they are absolutely what you want from the world of boxing. May the best man win. What a fight. Yeah, I think Denzel, you know, there's a little bit of reference similar to the Echo Usman. Uh, Essaman shout earlier saying that, uh, you know, he, he should really be beyond this level now. He should really have moved on from this level. So I kind of feel for Nathan Heaney where you're a bit like, fucking hell, Denzel, just give that Lonsdale belt up and piss <laughs> off, will you? You know what I mean? You've been at world title level. and, you, no, and you're why would you? He wants to keep it. He wants to keep his belt and get it, get he's, it on his He's coming out only short. You know, against, but he did still come short. You know, okay. but if you think, if you, if, if you think about the Beck fight, though, if you think about it, that did come out of the blue. Of course and, it did, and it was a massive, massive step up for Denzel at that time. If you remember, and we were thinking, "Fucking hell, that's a big step up." He that's came right. short, and he performed brilliantly. But we, sh but he showed that he's he's above this. I know what you're saying, but it did yeah. come out of the blue that shot. Yeah, and the other loss on 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 Denzel's record, of course, is against Felix Cash as well when he got stopped early on. Um, so, but so Denzel's can still keep, you know, Denzel's living off the fact that he took a world title fight at relatively late notice and did well, mm -hmm. but he didn't, he didn't win. So there's a lot of pressure on him to, to, to win this fight. I think he will start as, you know, potentially the biggest favorite out of all these fights that have been made. Yeah. Denzel Bentley's potentially the biggest favorite on the bookie scorecards. But as you say, this is fucking Nathan Heaney's world title fight, man. Nathan Haney's 17 and 0. And okay, he's been fighting guys at a level below Denzel Bentley. That's granted. But Nathan's got a lot of experience. You know, people don't realize Nathan Haney had over well over 100 amateur fights, represented a bunch of different clubs, was based out of Liverpool for a while, Nathan Haney. I'm sure he boxed mm. in, a, in a rotunda vest for a season or so. He's got a lot of experience, Nathan Haney. And okay, he walked away from the sport after his amateurs. He came back as a pro. But for me, this, this fight is based on one thing. What's going on between Nathan's ears? Yeah. If Nathan believes in himself, this is a proper fight. And he, and he could definitely beat Denzel Bentley. I, I really mean that. This is a proper fight. And he and it's up to him now to go, right, this is the moment I've been working towards. This is what these Stoke fans have been dying for. It's about me now producing the performance of my career against their quality operator in Denzel Bentley. And Correct. for Denzel Bentley, it's about him going, mate, I'm beyond this level. And I'm going to make a bit of a statement right now. And it's what happens when the, those two mindsets collide will ultimately decide the fight. But if Nathan Heaney believes in himself, <clears throat> this will be a lot closer than what the bookies will have it on the uh, on the odds, that's for sure. I completely agree. Completely agree, mate. I can't wait just to sample the atmosphere when he comes out. It's going to be pandemonium. Uh, Nathan Collins is taking on Zach Miller for the British and Commonwealth Featherweight uh, Championship. I think... Uh, I, I'll be honest. I think Miller's up against it. Um, I don't. Again, coming back to a couple of things that I've said about previous fights, I don't think he's got the equaliser. He's not for anybody of this particular standard. Collins has looked really good recently. I've seen him on a couple of uh, of shows, and I've actually been relatively impressed with him. But it's a British title fight, man. You step up, don't you? Uh, and that's what Zach Miller's got to do. He's got to show us something. I think that we've not seen from him previously. He's a good boxer. He's going to have to be at the very top of his game to beat Nathaniel Collins, I think. Yeah, listen, I think Nathaniel Collins is very special. I really do. I think Scotland's got a future world champion, Nathaniel Collins. I think he's a class act. Um, but he's 13 and 0. Zach Miller's 13 and 0. And Zach Miller has been fighting in sports centres and leisure centres yeah. and labour clubs and 
everything else. Has he even had an eight round? Well, he must have had an eight rounder at some stage in his career to be able to fight for the British title. But this is a massive jump up in level, never mind opponents. Nathaniel Collins' class. Big, honourable, Scottish, Southpaw, you know, fucking just everything you don't want to face in your first British title fight. But, but, if Zach Miller's going to produce the performance of his life, it's going to be in his fucking hometown, in front of his friends and family, in a sold-out Manchester arena. So the stage has been set, Zach. It's up to you now, kid, to produce something absolutely special. And it will need to be something special, you're right. I think Nathaniel Collins, again, just to go over that one, he's a future world champion, in my opinion. But Zach's at home, baby. Throw the fucking kitchen sink at him and watch that crowd explode if you get a bit of success. Go for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, The world title uh, that is on this show is the WBC Super Welterweight title for Hannah Rankin and Emma Cousin. Um... This is obviously a vacant title off the back of, was it Terry Harper? Who had, who had the WBC belt? Was it Terry Harper that had the Terry WBC Harper, yeah. belt? Um, I'm, I'm going to be dead honest. I actually think Hannah's up against it here. Um, I look at Emma Cousin and her. you look at that resume and she's come up short against the likes of the Clarissa Shields of this world. And we all have spoke about Clarissa Shields and how good she is. <clears throat> I actually think she's actually quite decent, Emma Cousin. Uh, and Hannah Rankin, again, when she stepped up to the top, top table, she's fallen short. There's been a bit of an inactivity. Was, there was questions as to whether she was going to carry on or whether she wasn't going to carry on, uh, Hannah. Um, and this is a big, big, big night. She might come through it. I think it's a really, really competitive fight. She's going to have to be at her very, very best because I think Cosin is a wily old cat. Um, sorry to describe a fighter like a wily old cat, but you get what I'm saying. Um, and I think she's cute enough to be able to navigate those two-minute rounds and nick them. Hannah's going to have to be at the top top of her game to come through it. it it's a weird one because you, you kind of feel for Emma Cozen because she's defined by a 10-round ten, ten shutout to Clarissa Shields. And that's fucking harsh, man, because Clarissa's you know, probably the, probably the best bo- female boxer on the planet. Um so you, you feel for Emma Cozen, but that's what most people remember her for. You're right. She is a lot better than that, you know, and she's she's won some decent fights and she's looked good and she was a solid amateur. Um, but I think, you know what, I'm going to go the other way. I think Hannah, especially with the, the I think a few Scots coming down for both her and Nathaniel Collins, yeah. will make a nice bit of noise for her. She's been here before. She's won world titles before. Um you know, she had that big showdown with with Terry Harper, which unfortunately, which you know, she may have lost, yeah. but that's a that's a lot of ex- that's a big fight experience which she can tick off on. Um, and I just I just fancy Hannah to come through this one. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a judge's scorecards job, obviously, with it being ten twos. Mm-hmm. It's undoubtedly going to the scorecards, but I think Hannah might just pinch it. It'll be squeaky bum time. I think those at ringside will be a bit like, "Have you got it? Have you got it?" Could be six four either way. I think it'll be dead close. But I just, I just fancy Hannah Rankin to pinch this one. Uh, Solid Acres as well as just, uh, I think he signed a deal with Queensbury. Obviously, my head's been up my ass with UFC stuff. So I think I saw that on uh, on, on social media. Solomon Dacres has, uh, has come across to Queensbury. So therefore, he's involved in uh, an English title fight. I like him, man. I think he's a talented lad. Um, and I, I, I fully envisage him coming through uh, this particular fight and then onwards and upwards to bigger and better things uh with frank yeah listen I, on paper it looks great don't it english heavyweight title fight yeah. both guys you know one solomon dakers seven and oh michael webster nine and oh one from the northeast you know coming down six knockouts on his record and his nine fights so you think oh he's a bit of a puncher solomon deckers are coming up from london only two knockouts on his record with seven wins. You think, oh, okay, this is the this is this could be the puncher versus the boxer. But in fact, when you when you have a look at Michael Webster's record, yeah, it's not great. You know, there's a lot of fights on there at Horton Lee Springs, with all due respect, a little small hall venue in the northeast. There's a lot of weak opponents. There's the last two opponents prior to this English heavyweight title fight had a combined record of one win. 12 losses and two draws. So you talk about jumping up levels. This guy's jumping up levels. That's not to say Solomon's been at any kind of sensational world title level. He definitely hasn't. But 
you know, he's been in there with guys with winning records who come to win, who've got experience. You know, he's negated people like Sokolowski. Mm-hmm. He had a good win last time out against Chris Thompson over on points, which was a shutout pretty much. I think he's going to be, Michael Webster's going to find out that there's absolutely levels to this game. And I think Solomon Deckers could make a little bit of a statement here. Yeah. Yeah, man. Is there anything else? I know it's a marathon. Is there anything else that you no. want to talk about? They're, 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 the, they're the seven, That's all you they? need to talk about, yeah. I'm not talking about the floaters, for fuck's sake. You've got seven title fights there. Enjoy it. Settle in. Take a big bag of wine gums if you're going. Flask of soup, maybe. It's going to be a lot. <laughs> Uncle Frank's going to treat you to a long one. If you can get a little blanket for your legs, gets cold in that Manchester arena. Don't forget the ice is underneath the... Uh, Underneath the cardboard or whatever it is, what the wooden floor. What are you talking floors, about, so... mate? There's a lot of people from Stoke coming up, mate. They'll be on the ale from like midday. Yeah, Don't you worry about that. That's They'll all be well warm. Shirts will be off, pal. They'll all be enjoying themselves. <laughs> um, listen, we're in for a good one. We are in for a good one. So if you've it's... got a ticket and you're coming to Manchester uh, on Saturday night, <clears> I think uh, you're in for a treat. At least a couple of these are going to deliver uh, some serious, serious action for you. So make sure you're in your seat nice and early because I couldn't predict which one of the fights is going to be no. the one. That's, that's the beauty of matchmaking. Really good matchmaking. You've got some 50-50s. You've got some step-ups. You've got some... Got some 60-40s, yeah. Yeah, you know. But still, when you look down at it, you think, where's your, where's your knockouts? Where's your big flash moments? You know, the, the, and of those seven title fights, there's not one where you can guarantee no. there's going to be a big knockout moment. You, you really can't. No, I can't wait for it, man. Can't wait for it. Uh, make sure uh, you come back to us on Monday for a full review of that. And as well as that, of course, don't forget on Thursday night, as we said at the start of the show, Shakur Stevens is in action, as is yeah. the Emmanuel Navarrete. So you've got a good uh, weekend. I'm sure that uh, we'll have a retrospective look as well of uh, Adam Azim. We're all high as a kite on Adam Azim. So fingers crossed he can come through and be uh, come European champion and kick himself forward. Uh, in that division. Go on, what do you want to say, Pal? Just before we sign off, I just wanted to have a, because obviously we didn't get to do a review show start this week. We were traveling and then when we looked at the results and the cards and everything else, we you know we, we thought it's not really uh, worth banging out a review show of some of the action. But I do want to just have a little nod towards Harlem Eubank, who had a great win last Friday against Timo Schwartzkov on the top of the card um, on Channel 5. Um, that was a great win for him. Really mm. good, come through some good moments. Got warned for low blows a couple of times. Probably should have had more than one point taken off over the course of the fight. Harlem, for that to be fair. But Schwarzkopf dropped a couple of times en route to an 11th round stoppage victory. Real good moment for him. Good to see Lerone Richard sh- shake off the uh, the cobwebs on that card as well. And I also want to talk about Shabazz Mazoud's win on Saturday night up in Newcastle over Jose San Martin. Just because loads of people... Uh, when I was in New York, were tagging me in the judges' results and going, what an absolute disgrace these scorecards are. He's lucky to get the win, Mazoud over San Martin. San Martin was great and blah, blah, blah. So obviously I did watch that fight back just because Luigi Boscarelli, with his 98-92 in favour of Shabazz Mazoud, um, was put forward as a potential candidate for worst judges' decisions of the year. I can officially say... I have reviewed the fight. I have reviewed the scorecard. And while I agree the scorecard is bullshit and there's no way Shabazz Mazoud won eight rounds on my scorecard, I'd say he didn't win eight rounds. I'd say no way. He didn't win eight rounds on my scorecard. He didn't. It was a close fight, probably 6-4 in favour of Mazoud. One thing I will say is I thought Mazoud deserved to win it. A lot of people were saying he deserved to lose. I've got to be honest. I thought he did deserve to win it. I had him six rounds to four. Over 10. San Martin was great. He was live. He was game. But I thought Mizud was just that little bit of class. But that 98-92 from Boscarelli, even though that's a bad scorecard, with rose-tinted glasses on, if I'm sitting next to Ben Davidson, I could probably score it that way myself. You know, so Adam Push. I'm not saying he did. I'm not saying it was a good scorecard. He doesn't make worse decisions of the year. But Luigi, if you're watching this, your card's been marked, lad. We'll keep an eye on you for the future. Uh, do you know what? He's been to Britain quite a lot, Boscarelli, and I, I reviewed some of his past misdemeanors and whatever, and he's not a bad judge, so it's not like he, uh, you know, maybe he just had a bite night at the office. As mad as that sounds, maybe he was sitting 
in you know next to Ben Davidson in front of Shabazz Mazoud's family, if you like. I don't. Know. I'm trying to make excuses for him here. It's a bad scorecard. A two is a bad scorecard. I'll give you that. But uh, but Mazoud deserved to win. So uh, so for that reason, Boscarelli's missing out on making the worst decisions of the year. One thing I will say again, just on that as well, um, <laughs> on that card. Uh, before I move on to to Mark Dickinson, because Mark Dickinson did something I've been waiting and we've been begging him to do, and that's put someone away, be ferocious. Too many points decisions so far for Mark Dickinson. He put Grant Dennis away. He looks superb. Best performance of his career so far. Well done, Mark Dickinson. But just on Mazoud, a lot of the conversation fight week, a lot of the conversation on the night was about Ben Davidson saying he's going to be a multiple weight world champion. He's this, he's that, he's this, he's that. Jordan, the fight, he had an air of someone that believes he's going to be a future world champion. Don't think like that, man. Let Ben, let Ben tell the media whatever he wants and sing your praises and put you on a pedestal. But Shabazz, you've got to get in there and do the work, man. And in this fight, he had to dig deep a few times and come through some moments. Great. But there's other moments where he's lands great shots and he just admires his work for a little bit too long. And I'm like, Shabazz. When you become a multiple weight world champion, then bask in the glory. Don't do it on your way to the top because there's moments in this fight where I'm like, keep your focus, man. You're not there yet. You, the, the sun isn't shining out your arse yet, kid. Right now, just do the work. Put the work in. Get a win. I thought he made this look a lot harder. Take nothing away from Sam Martin. He was game. But he, I think Shabazz made this fight a lot harder than it should have been. Fair enough, mate. Um... We will be back for more Boxing Conversation, which will be exclusive on our YouTube channel. So if you're listening to this show, uh, you might want to subscribe to our YouTube channel because there will be a reaction uh, to today's press conference. That's happening at about 4, 4.30 later on where they're announcing the full card uh, for the 23rd of December in Riyadh. We'll give you a full Keys reaction. have gone into a pot, aren't they? It's a bit of that's, crossover lover. I think that's how they've done the matchmaking. They've just got, right, put everybody's name in there and let's see what happens. It's like an FA Cup draw, isn't it? Um, anyway, we'll have a full reaction for that for you a little bit later on today. So that will be going out uh, tonight on our YouTube channel. So make sure you come uh, there for that. And then tomorrow we'll be back reacting to the news that they've given us a date and the time and the location uh, for uh, Fury versus Usyk, which will be announced officially tomorrow. There you go. All right. Boxing is moving. Uh, and we'll be getting stuck into all those conversations on our YouTube channel only. So make sure you subscribe to it. All right. Uh, you can subscribe to the audio feed via our website, fightdisciples.com. However you're consuming this right now, I'm sure there is a nice little button staring you in the face where you're thinking, yeah, go on then. I'll come back and listen to these lads again, whether it be Spotify or Apple or whatever. Bosh, it's it. And as I said a moment or two ago, uh, we're growing our community on uh, YouTube. So if you can uh, hit the button there, Subscribe, comment, do what you need to do and become part of the Fight Disciples community. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com. We make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.